is uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, new ideas, new areas of science, new careers, sometimes even a little glimpse of the future. And I'm here today with uh, Jim Havoka of uh, Inform AI. Great to uh, see you. We were talking uh, right before we started about dodging our various biblical weather uh, situation. So mine is bright orange sky and darkness at noon and yours was a hurricane. Absolutely, Mike, uh, it's good to be here with you today and thanks for the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, what we're building at Inform AI and what we're doing to improve uh, patient care. Glad to have a chance to uh, talk. So why don't we start by doing the basics, a, a little bit about you and a little bit about just what Inform AI is. Absolutely. I spent a good part of my career leading up to starting this company running um, commercial healthcare and government healthcare consulting businesses. And so I had a front row seat not only in the relationships in those markets, but also running and, and developing large business analytics and uh, large systems integration projects. And during that time, I always saw that there was a tremendous amount of data contained within hospitals that weren't fully getting utilized. So I had an opportunity a few years ago. Uh, I started uh, Inform AI in June of 2017, specifically focused on unlocking the value of that data that sits in almost every hospital. You know, on average, a hospital has roughly 50 petabytes of data, which is 50 million gigabytes of data sitting in a hospital. And a lot of that is unused unanalyzed. And so I started Inform AI to use analytics tools to try to drill down into that data set and uh, benefit uh, clinicians in how they think about treating patients and using that insight in the treatment of patients. So what exactly are you guys doing to try and make that data useful, to bring that data forward in a way that helps people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's two types of data we primarily work with in our applications we're building. One is medical images uh, that are taken of patients. That could be MRI or CT scan or ultrasound, or just data that sits in the electronic medical records systems that is just information about the patient, their medical history, medication, uh, demographics, previous uh, surgeries they might have had. That data is quite valuable in, in mining for insights on how a patient may fare on different procedures. And so in our company, we work with healthcare organizations to unlock that value with the AI, especially AI products we've built that are very good at extracting those patterns out. So let's talk a little bit about AI. We talk a lot at the fund about AI. In fact, we tend to use AIs as plural in the idea that there isn't some all-encompassing, glorious, godlike thing that is artificial intelligence, that these are just techniques that are used in various ways to produce various kinds of outcomes that can be uh, useful. What about you guys? So you got all this data down there and you want at the other end to have some insights, some actionable results. So what techniques are you using? Uh, what's your definition of AI? We tend to focus in two types of uh, algorithms. The first one is neural networks. Uh, they're very good at recognizing patterns in medical images and training them to recognize medical imaging patterns that denote a potential medical condition to flag for conditions to look at. 
And then we also use a host of machine learning algorithms that are very good at mining data in the electronic medical records for looking for patterns. And as a company, we've been very fortunate. It's not surprising, you know, why we're here located here in Houston. Houston has, many people don't know this, the largest medical center in the world. Uh, they, within the Texas Medical Center, 10 million patients are seen every year and roughly about 180,000 surgeries are done every year. So there's a tremendous amount of data where we're headquartered to, to feed these algorithms uh, to, to the benefit of clinicians uh, and as they think about how best to treat patients. Got it. So for folks that may not work with AI, maybe walk through that a little bit. So neural networks is basically you're taking that and you're blowing it out on a lot of different iterations, a lot of different servers, and you're running out kind of what-if scenarios side by side, if that's a fair way to put it. And then you're combining it back to sort of see what outcomes are more likely if you look at a lot of different potential futures. Absolutely. I mean, neural networks is, is based on the principle of how the brain works with neurons in the brain, where each neuron, as you learn experiences in your life, get trained to, to recognize that pattern. And so neural networks operate in a similar situation where as you train algorithms, each neuron is trained uh, to set certain weights and biases that will trigger when it sees that pattern. And so the human brain has about 100 billion neurons in it, which makes, if you look at all those connections, correlate to about 100 trillion connections in the brain. Our neural networks obviously aren't quite that sophisticated, mm -hmm. but generally we work with algorithms that have about 100 million neurons in them. What kinds of machine learning are you doing against? So you got a target corpus of information, you got outcomes you're looking for and you're waiting things. That's what machine learning is all about. So what are you doing? What are you waiting? What are the corpuses? What are the targets? How are you making that work? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, as we think about building our products, the best product is where the AI is essentially hidden, right? Uh, the products we build are running in the background and integrated seamlessly into the workflow that our clinicians uh, have put together. And so we're, we're quite careful as we build our products to make sure that it's not just a technology advantage, it's a workflow advantage also. And so we think quite a bit about how to build those products. Where we operate as a company, let me give some examples on the medical side and on the patient side is, but ultimately every product we build, our, our goal is to expedite decision-making at the point of care. So we're, we're using these algorithms to help clinicians make decisions very quickly. That's very valuable to them. It's very valuable to the patients. The second thing that we want to accomplish with every product we build is to assist the clinician in triaging, where we can use these tools to do a quick assessment to, to make a determination on the severity of a potential condition. And the third, you'll hear me talk about uh, risk predictors. Uh, we've been able to build a portfolio of risk predictors that give additional information to surgeons and clinicians on how risky this surgical procedure will be for a particular client or patient relative to mortality, readmission, and those sorts of things. And so specific products we've been building, we have one product we're working with the largest cancer center in the United States, where we've built a neural network algorithm that can look at three-dimensional MRI scans and determine 
not only if tumors or lesions are present in that scan, but what type of tumors and lesions are in there. And the accuracy of our neural networks get down to the order of three to five millimeters, uh, being able to detect patterns. As a, an example, that algorithm can uh, take the image coming right out of an MRI machine and within 30 seconds have an initial indication mm -hmm. for a clinician to, to take a look at relative to triage, relative to uh, drilling down while that patient is still being seen, kind of what they need to do from that, that point forward. A, a machine learning example, uh, we were recently awarded a, a contract by the National Science Foundation to build a machine learning algorithm to assist in matching a donor organ with the patient recipient. If you think about it, there's a tremendous amount of data being gathered there, but nobody has really built an integrated tool that looks at the quality of a donor organ jointly with who may receive that organ and determine is that the most efficient match, especially in a resource limited environment, that's quite important. And so we are building that algorithm with several healthcare partners to assist the clinician and having another data point to look at as they look at how risky a particular surgical procedure might be for a patient. Really fascinating. And obviously, yeah, the impact is enormous. I mean, with something like a donor organ, you put it in the wrong person and, and they reject it and the person is incapacitated or dies, the organ didn't really help. It's a tremendous amount of effort and doesn't wind up getting the payoff. And if you can put that organ in the right person, you're talking about essentially extending somebody's life for decades. And so a lot of these AI tools are not there to replace the, the critical decision-making of the clinician. It's, it's bringing that data that's locked in these vaults in these hospitals and looking at patterns to assist clinicians into factoring in that additional insight into what's the right decision for that patient relative to risk and probability of outcome. Yep. Exactly. So you mentioned partners, and I know you have some uh, particularly interesting partners and are a big believer that uh, all of this needs to be done through partnerships. So let's talk about that a little bit. I didn't want to be a pure play software company that went door to door selling to hospitals, you know, whatever we might have developed. I saw really an ecosystem that needed to be built between not only healthcare companies that privileged data sets could be developed from, you know, highly uh, detailed and labeled data sets, all the way to working with partners that could help us from a technology standpoint. And we work quite closely with both Google and NVIDIA. We're, both, we're part of both of their startup programs that they have. And then on the back end, work with the medical device companies and imaging companies. So as we build these products, it's much faster to adopt the products when you have an installed base of either imaging equipment or medical device equipment. And so every product we build, we build that ecosystem to not only source the data, but also then to distribute the application out into the market. At your end, do you guys sit around saying, you know what we should do? We should get better at helping predict the acceptance rates of donor livers or the ability to pick up depression in uh, mustered out soldiers. And then you spend months trying to figure out how to do that with algorithms, or is it the other way around where folks come to you and a group of clinicians or a hospital says, we have a problem, and you're then reacting to their expression of need and trying to come up with a response. Is it one or the other, or am I missing uh, reality entirely? I mean, that's a very good question. When you looked at how early on the AI healthcare market started to develop, there were a lot of companies that were formed solely because various 
federal agencies, government agencies had released data and companies formed around that, raised money. And I believe that not enough was done on the customer discovery piece to understand what is actually needed out in the field. So every product we build, we spend a lot of time talking with the ultimate users of the product to see what the need is and what the value proposition is. Because, you know, we can build some rare, very exciting AI tools, but if there's not a demand for it, there's not a way to seamlessly integrate it into the workflow, it's not going to be widely adopted and uh, therefore it's not going to have the impact we look for and so we do work and we have a lot of advisors in our company that are surgeons radiologists hospital executives that we spend a lot of time talking about what the benefit could be for different types of products and what's the size of the market and if those things line up then we we move forward in the development phase of that prototype and how long does that take yeah, there, there's, there's two bottlenecks in that process. Obviously, one of them is getting good quality data in, in a form that can be usable for building these algorithms and uh, having relationship with large healthcare organizations that, are, that trust in what we're building, see the benefit in what we're building is quite critical and on the front end of starting these projects. And then the second is on, depending on what the product does, many of them have to go through a regulatory approval process. And so, matter of fact, we're in the middle of, uh, an FDA review of one of our products right now, while that's a very useful step to make sure it achieved what it needs to do and it's safe, uh, does create a, a little bit of a time element to get through that process. And so those have to both be factored in. For certain AI algorithms that don't require regulatory approval, they're more operational focused in a hospital, not medical focused, can be built much faster. And so for uh, a medical focused application, you're, you're typically looking at uh, two to three years to, from start to end, where uh, an operational, non-medical, typically in a six to 12 month type of window. Where is Inform AI going? What do you think you're gonna be like a couple of years from now? What do you think the state of AI and health is gonna be like a couple of years from now? What should folks viewing this from sort of a, an individual point of view expect? Uh, in terms of the human experience they may uh, get in a hospital or even outside of a hospital? When I look out uh, 10 years from now, I think a lot of this technology will be just in the background. There'll be analytics running in almost every decision being made. Still, the primary clinician is still front and center in making the decisions, but they'll have access to much more data insights about not only that patient, but how have other patients fared that are, have similar uh, data elements or parameters to that patient? I think the, the market will continue to grow in that area. Over time, we'll continue to build more and more of these. We have two platforms that we generally use to build image-based and then also patient data set-based in our products. And we'll be taking multiple of these products over the next three to four years through FDA for approval for those that require it. So folks might not see you, they might not hear you. They might not even know you're there, but it's going to make a big difference in their experience, whether they know it or not. The best technology is the type, the kind that is in the background doing its job, improving the process. Great stuff. Well, it's great to have a chance to talk to you. It's great to hear about what you guys are up to. We'll come back here maybe in a few months or maybe next year, see where things have uh, progressed to. Mike, it's been good uh, to talk with you today. I look forward to working with you and your team as we continue our journey and uh, 
and bring these products to market to uh, benefit uh, the, the partners we're working with. Thanks, great to talk to you. Bye-bye.